quits. Halloween hangover. Welcome to 50 Randy Quaids, a movie review podcast. This is Halloween Hangover 2, episode 138, The Wailing. I am your host with the most Nicolas Cage movies. I'm the humblest of the humble. The king of quaintness, ya boy, the prime millennial, Chucky B. And with me, my two co-hosts, as always. I am JT, loose-ass, dog-fucking, son-of-a-whore-money. And our other co-host. It's your boy, Jenna Spade. And like I said earlier, we watched The Wailing. And if you have any questions or comments, you can head on over to 50randyquays.com and let us know what the fuck is up. Please do. We'd love it if you did because we love you. Yes, yes, yes. LOL. Lots of love. Because you got to give it to get it and then you got it. And it's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just want to let y'all know that... The Wailing is from a claim director. Not Hongjin. I don't know if I said that right, but I tried. We're going to do a whole lot of trying this episode. I'm also not pronouncing names correctly. That's why I said trying. We don't need to get into the negative aspects. We're going to do our best. That's all we can do. Um, I'd also like to point out, in case you haven't read the title and you're just listening, it's not the wailing like this is Moby Dick. It's the wailing like a banshee. Yes, yes. Wailing! Dun, dun, dun! And here is the trailer for your Korean enjoyment. And we are back 
in the library again. Because we're reading. Because we're reading? Yes, yes. The subtitles. Oh, got it. And if you are new to the show, 50 Randy Quaid's on episode 138, The Wailing, then I just want to say welcome and thank you for uh, checking us out. And uh, we talk about everything. Or at least we mean to. But um, like we said earlier, or at least I said, I'm super humble, and we're going to give you a little warning. This is our warning. After the warning, though, I mean, it's on you. The movie's going to get spoiled if you haven't seen it, and that's your decision. All right, this warning's going to come right now after the number three. I mean, the letter. No, yeah, the number three. Number three works. One, <laughs> two, three. Right at the beginning, we see this old man putting bait on a hook, just fishing. That old man is a fisher of men throughout this movie, baiting the hook, but he's got the help of the shaman, who is supposedly a good guy, and they end up basically just leading to the destruction of every family that they come across, and this old man is the devil. He's a Japanese devil, though. It's a pretty racist movie. That's what I was saying. Korean-Japanese racism is a very real thing, and it felt fully on display in this movie. They called him a Jap the entire time. Now, I'm not going to say that anymore throughout this episode, but Jesus fucking Christ, it was every time they referred to him. Almost. I thought I was the only one that was thinking that maybe the Koreans just don't like the Japanese. No, they don't. There's a long history of Japanese invasion on the Korean land. There's a whole lot of animosity that still exists there. And that's the thing that you don't necessarily think about. Like, racism exists all around the world between all sorts of people. Yeah, I thought it was just kind of like white people. Well, we see... American racism on a daily basis so we know how that operates but those same sorts of things are taking place across the globe between all people I'm not as familiar with it all and there's a less a lot of things a lot of cultural things here that work against me in understanding specifics as it goes along then in the end I'm like okay that makes sense but like Sometimes I'm like, I don't know, maybe that is how it works. And then I realize in the end, oh no, it was the bad guy doing the bad guy thing. But anyway, the fisherman is the bad guy. He's the devil. The shaman's his fucking body and all the good guys die. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because all these these uh, deaths occur, it is pretty safe to assume that this is a horror movie. Or at least it's a horror mystery thriller. Well, you got the, the police angle because our main character... As a policeman. So you got that detective, like, on the scene of the crime sort of thing happening the whole time. So it definitely keeps that mystery thriller angle alive. The horror pops in and out throughout and really ramps up at the end, obviously. So I found that this movie was rated TVMA. And then when we watched it on uh, Amazon, I think it said TV 16 plus. That is correct. I'm going to go with, like, theatrically in America, this probably would have been an R. Yeah, that's that's what I would assume. I mean, like, it even did come out, I, I believe, theatrically here in America. I didn't see when it, like, and when I went to the website that I go to, it didn't appear, like, on the list. But I did know that it was released here uh, May 20th, 2016. 
And then we're going to get a whole list of movies that are absolutely nothing like this movie. No, yeah, but the number one movie in the top five, the Angry Birds movie, which you can listen to us talk about on episode 27 at 50randyquades.com. Is Angry Birds still a thing, guys? I don't know, but we definitely watched it. We went to the theater to see it. Wow. Me, Taylor Ricardo, and guest uh, Tin Man. Like, y'all still playing Angry Birds on your phone or what? No, no, I never did. I don't. Cool. Did you ever? Nope. Yes. I did for a short while as well. I needed to see what it was all about. No, yeah, I never jumped on that gravy train. I uh, did pay money to see the movie in theaters, though. Yeah. So that's, that's you spent, on me. Yeah, you spent more money on Angry Birds than I ever did. <laughs> I have no interest in whatever they did with that. Well, that movie made $47.6 million, million. Dude, they were smart. In they its rode, first week. They rode a fucking wave. Like, Angry Birds was the hottest thing on Earth for a while. I don't know how it happened. But that game was, like, the coolest thing going for a year across the board. That was insane. Uh, the number two movie was Captain America Civil War for $43.1 million in its third week. Yeah, that, that's how it goes when you're a Disney movie, or a Marvel movie specifically. And then number three, a movie I have not seen, Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising. I saw Neighbors, but I did not see the second one. This has a significant drop off, uh, down to twenty nine point two million dollars. Brand new, dude. It's a comedy sequel. That's a big number. It is. It is. It's just a big drop off from Captain America. Again, hard to compare. It is. Uh, Spade, did you see those neighbors movies? I don't think so. I know those are the ones with um, Zach Efron. Like. Is he next door? No, am I thinking of something else? It's. Uh, I think that is the movie with Zac Efron next door. Okay, isn't it like because neighbors Rose Byrne and Seth Rogen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one I definitely know has Seth Rogen. I think I saw her. part of the first one. I think I have the first one on DVD or Blu-ray. Cool, cool. I'm gonna have to watch those at some point. And then the next movie, The Nice Guys, was that the movie with? Uh, I think that's the Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. I fucking love that movie. I did not remember that it was called The Nice Guys, but it is hysterical. Hold on a second. I got to look something up. With Dwayne Johnson and fucking... Uh, no, no, you're wrong. No, and wrong. This is what I thought it was. It's the one with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, and I fucking love that movie. Do not remember ever seeing that. I don't know if I've seen this. Is that other one, The Good Guys? Then? Ah, yes. yeah, The I, Good Guys. I can guys. never remember if it's The Good Guys. That's The Good Guys. That I movie is like. fucking hilarious. I hate that fucking movie because I fucking... Really? I fucking hate Wahlberg. I'm a peacock. You gotta let me spread my wings. No, I hate him. I hate I him. Love and everything I love, I love Wahl- Wahlberg. There are very few actors that I look at and want to punch him in the face. <laughs> Like, usually I'm just indifferent. I'm like, I don't like your right. shit or whatever. Well, I'm going to try not to pick any Wahlberg movies in the future. Pick what you want to pick. Like, I don't care. I'll watch a Wahlberg movie, but just know it's not going to work. You don't like Ted? No. God, no. You can you like combine Ted? You can combine him with Seth MacFarlane, whatever the fuck. I'm double, I'm double out. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty, sure I, I'm pretty sure I knew you didn't like Seth MacFarlane. I'm double out. I can't do Ted it. Ted was funny as fuck. I, I love Ted. But I, once again, I... I really like uh, Wahlberg. As and has I'm been established. Well, I feel like as has been established over the years, I have a very different taste in things than 
most other people on the show. When I went to go see Ted for the first time, like somebody told me it was Seth MacFarlane, and I kept getting like thinking Seth Green. <laughs> I keep thinking. Um, I was like, oh, I, Seth Green wrote this. That's cool. I even just confused myself there. I almost said Todd McFarlane of fucking Spawn fame. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, that's not right. Anyway, let's get through this top five. We're almost there, boys. The fifth book, the jungle, or the fifth movie, the jungle book. <laughs> and that was uh, 15 million in its sixth week. Again, Disney money. Yeah, I'd like to see what the numbers overall on that are, but you know it raked in a shit ton of cash because it's a fucking major Disney title in the first place that probably pulled in 200 million overseas minimum. And, oh, yeah. And uh, speaking of raking in the cash. The willing definitely brought in the bacon, and uh, what? Because like the estimated budget for this movie is only like uh six point four two million dollars. It was all practical effects. It looked like I don't think there was any computer graphics involved, and even if there were, they were pretty low key, minimal. And the practical effects weren't. Nothing was done in this movie that was over the top, but it was all very effective. The most intense special effect was probably, or like practical effect, was probably the makeup at the end. One, the demon or the devil. When the fucking devil reveals his yeah. true form, like some of the gore earlier was like some intense gore and like the um, the sores and stuff on the body. But I think that's all pretty straightforward sort of makeup effects, not to minimize what they're doing, but like none of it was. They weren't reinventing the wheel. On Correct. this sort of stuff is what I'm saying. So you could probably do that at a pretty minimal cost these days. So domestically, this movie brought in almost eight hundred thousand dollars, seven hundred eighty six thousand six hundred and thirty three dollars. But where the real money was was uh, overseas. It, I'm sure a lot of that was right home in Korea. It, I would probably assume that I didn't actually do any of the checking, but yeah, that's where it was like. A little over $49 million. So that's when we get the $49.8 million for Worldwide. And this movie definitely made a lot of money. Bringing in over $40 million profit. Well, you said earlier that uh, writer and director Na Hong Jin was an acclaimed director. I don't know what he's done outside of this. is the first I've heard of him. But um... I would agree with that. But when I did look at the awards that this movie won and was nominated for. Oh, if anything, it's just a gap in my film knowledge. Not that he's not acclaimed. I just never fucking knew about him. Now I know about him. Um, I'm interested to see other things he's done after watching this. But I will check the runtime beforehand. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Like this movie was. (laughs) This movie had a lot of awards, right? So 24 awards in 2016 that it won. That's not even what it was nominated for. And then another six awards that it won in 2017. And this includes five Best Director wins and two Best Film wins. I'd be interested to see where those are coming from. Because that's a lot of love to be heaped on something that is essentially a horror film. You don't see that kind of love in America for horror films. No, a lot of these were um, foreign. I'm sure they are. Like, yeah, foreign awards. But, I mean, it's a foreign movie. So it makes 100% sense as well, too. But even in America, though, like, and again, I'd be of those like horror centric festivals, but of those five best directors, I'm betting most of them are not from horror places. They're probably from all sorts of different kind of. Yeah. What You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just crazy to see horror have that much kind of praise heaped upon it. 
Yeah, I would agree. But I mean, like, that's just, I'm sure it's seen differently outside of the, the States. Well, it is. And getting to our main actors of the movie, or at least what I might have considered the main actors when I was glancing at the IMDb website. I, I double checked it. You got it. All right. Prepare yourself for some. The butchering? Brutal. <laughs> Do we all want to take turns here and all look I'm, like I'm fools? definitely not going to do all of them. Okay. I will start it off, though. Jun Kanumara is the Japanese man, or the devil. Jun Ming Huang as Il Guang, who is the shaman. Quack Do Wan is Zhang Wu. Um, that's our main character. And actually, uh need to point out from your sheet there, Chuck, it's Zhang Gu, not Wu. Oh, okay. That's... My bad on the switching back and forth. John Goo, baby. And uh, we have Kwan Hee Kim as Hyo Jin, and that's the daughter. Wu Hee Chun as the mysterious woman who I saw a name on Wikipedia. I don't think it was ever said in the movie. Same with the shaman. I don't think they ever said Il Guang, or I don't ever remember catching it. But the mysterious woman apparently is named Mu Myung. Oh, okay. Didn't see that on uh, IMDb. Wikipedia, baby. And Duyun Kim is Yang Yi Sam. That motherfucker's the deacon, and apparently his name in Korean means 2-3. Yes, yes. I even paused during the movie. I didn't pause the movie, but I looked at Johnny and I was like, is his name 2-3 or is it 23? He said 2-3, or like in parentheses it said 2-3. Yeah. So I assumed it wasn't 23, but I don't know Korean, man. So I was watching yeah, subtitles. So. But then we get to our... IMDB breakdown. Soon after a stranger arrives in a little village, a mysterious sickness starts to spread. A policeman, drawn into the incident, is forced to solve the mystery in order to save his daughter. Yeah, he doesn't, kind of. sa- he doesn't save his daughter. That's... No, 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 no. He doesn't save anybody. He is kind of forced into it. And I would have said he wasn't, except for the shoe. Kind of forced his hand a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. But we can get into it. His daughter's fucked whether he investigates this or not because he made the mistake of... But we'll get into it too, though. It's all fucked up. It's all fucked up. It opens up, though, with a quote from the Bible. It's basically like, yo, I'm Jesus. I'm not a ghost. And I got skin, motherfucker. You better believe that. (laughs) It's from Luke. Like, I'm barely even paraphrasing. I think it's exactly, like, word for word. Uh, what the Bible says. I got skin, motherfucker. Did he have stigmata at the end? It kind of looked like he had a hole it in It looked his hand. like it. When, yeah, when he was rolling his hand over and was like, touch me, I've got skin and flesh. There was definitely a hole through the one hand they showed us before he transformed into the devil. But there were they made a whole lot of parallels between... Like, devil and Jesus throughout this entire fucking... Because, again, that quote in the beginning is about Jesus saying, I'm not a ghost. Touch me, I have skin. At the end, you get the devil saying the exact same thing to a deacon. You know what I mean? Like, turning those words back and being like, well, the same is true here, motherfucker. Why don't you touch me and find out? Like, this definitely was not a positive movie for the church. Or, the, the like, <laughs> that particular church. Anyway, and then we get the shot of the, like I said earlier, we get the shot of the fisherman with the hook. And I was yeah, like, and then, and I then was like, that's what this is about. I was like, this guy brutal, is the guy. A brutal fucking murder scene. 
Spade, why don't you lay out that murder scene for us, since this is your pick, if we didn't mention that already. Shit, there's so many murder scenes. It's the first one that he walk, He gets called out of bed. Yeah, he gets called out of bed, his wife is like, eat some fucking food, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I gotta go to this murder scene. And then she's like, no, you gotta eat some fucking food, and then he's like, no, I gotta go, somebody died, and she's still like, eat some fucking food, and he does eat some fucking food. <laughs> they sit and eat breakfast. Well, his mother-in-law's at the table, and like he says what happened, and her her quote was, what kind of fucker kills people? Goddamn son of a bitch. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then the daughter comes in, she's like, who got murdered? Yeah. It's like, don't worry about it, go to bed, go back to bed. And she's like, no, 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 I'm good. Tell me who got murdered. But and then, then the dad's all like, all right, well, this is what happened. Then he shows up at the scene of the crime, though. Or he shows up, and someone, they got a woman, I think, is screaming. And then you see a guy sitting on the porch that has, like, these boils all over his face. That was the fucked up thing, is that dude just sitting there, like, Yeah, he's just sitting off. there. He looks fucked up. His eyes are kind of, like, glazed over. And then they go in, and they see, like, there was the one body that was in the sack right in the corner. And was there three people dead in that room? I think it was three people. Before he gets in there, he's outside smoking because he's like, ah, there's a bunch of people in that room already. I'm just going to stand over here and smoke a cigarette. And he looks up and he's transfixed by this plant that's like hanging down above the doorway. And like the camera zooms in on it and he's snapped out and he's brought to look at those fucking bodies in the room. And like, not only were the three bodies, there was like some big weird nest or something. Or was that, no, that's when they went and looked at like a a barn because that's, the room wasn't the murder scene. They were dragged yeah, there. They were like, they were like, because the uh, the body that was in the bag. They're like, dude, they weren't killed here. So then they go to like this barn or something. There's this gigantic nest. Or so it was super weird. Yeah, and then they they look in there, and there's like a whole bunch of fucking blood and everything. And then there's like, yeah, big ass fucking bird nest. But then we cut to a totally different thing. This guy. Did just... we ever get confirmation on what the fuck that bird nest was? I think it was just another weird altar thing like we see throughout the movie. Like a different way of calling upon the evil forces that were being used for what the devil was doing. Yeah, man. They should have just been hailing Satan. Then we cut to this other guy now. He's just walking through the woods. Hiking along. The guy that sees the deer in like the trap or something. Yeah, he finds a deer and he's like, yeah, cool. I'm just going to tie this deer up. I'm going to sling it over my shoulders and I'm going to take it home probably to eat. Oh, Dude, that's what I thought was going to happen. And then all of a sudden you see him like trip. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I thought it was going to be like a little humorous thing to like break up the tension. Dude, and there's plenty of that throughout this movie. This is not that. No, because then he tumbles down this fucking hill and you're just like, oh, shit. It goes on for long enough that it got funny. I'm like 30 seconds into him rolling down the hill. I'm like, okay. And then he smacks his head on a fucking rock and he's just out. And I'm like, oh, dude, this guy's dead when he just wanted to get some dinner but no no he wakes up right he wakes up and then he's like looking and he's like dude what the fuck he's like am i seeing some like old man in a diaper like eating eating something yeah and then he's like oh shit there is something over there eating a deer like raw like a human what the fuck and so he's freaking out and then the fucking like he loses sight of him and then the old man demon like attacks him and then it just goes to another scene. Well, it's got these red eyes, all red eyes, and it crawls yeah. around like on all fours and 
the thing you see about the whole movie is you get that point of view from the person being attacked. And he comes in and bites the face. You're like, what the fuck is going on? But a lot of the times when that attack happens, our main boy like wakes up from a dream afterwards. You're like, what the fuck? That's not what happens here. Um, we cut to like the office now. He's back at the police station chilling with his boy. And they start talking about this Japanese dude who has shown up in town recently. And his boy, whose name is Seong Bak, he's like, yo, check it. This dude is bad news. People are dying because of him. He's a ghost. No, he doesn't yeah, say. It just, and that's he doesn't when I was say he's like, a ghost. Well, that that's when I was kind of like looking at Johnny and I was like, man, these guys just really hate the Japanese, right? And like I was kind of being like facetious when I said it. But it just it kept on being reinforced throughout the whole movie, and that's something obviously we've already touched upon. But oh yeah, but no, they they go hard on it, and it's like okay, yeah, this outsider, it's definitely his fault. He's killing all these people, and our main character is like, nah, man, this tox report came back. His blood was full of these fucking trippy mushrooms. He just like got pushed over the edge, and his partner's like. Did you ever eat those when you were a kid, bro? Because I did, and they're not going to make you murder anyone. That's some bullshit. Like, it wasn't the mushrooms. It was the Japanese guy. <laughs> <laughs> then, boom, there's this lightning strike. Power goes out. This movie's good for a boom lightning strike. The power goes out, and then they're like, oh, man, this sucks. It's like, what's going on? So he's, like, fiddling with the box, and then all of a sudden, another lightning strike goes, and there's a fucking naked woman just standing right outside the goddamn doors, and they're both like, ah, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck? And they're yelling at each other back and forth, be like, you check it out, no, you check it out, no, you check it out, no, you check it out. And then finally, the guy goes to check it out, and she's gone. Uh, yeah, and this is the first time we catch our boy waking up from a dream, and he's, like, yelling something about a dirty whore. I don't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, maybe it was foreshadowing the fact that he's, like, banging the help or something? No, I think that was his wife. Was it his wife? Yeah. That's his wife. Oh, yeah. Okay. They, yeah, there's just no like, privacy in the house, so they have to go to the car. All right. Yeah, because, like, dude, I was all like, I was like, what's going on here? No, it's a very small space. Like, even when you see, like, the daughter had a room that wasn't even in the same building as them, but since it was daytime, like... Their bedroom was basically in the part of the house that everyone was in. So ah, okay, yeah, because they're like they're going out to the car and they're banging in the car, and then the daughter like comes up and she's like, "Hey, what's up? What are you guys doing? Let me come in." And he freaks out and he runs away. But then they're on the town later. They're looking around. She puts this little pink barrette in her hair and she's like, "Don't I look pretty?" He's like, "Oh, you're so pretty, darling." And then they go and they're like sitting by the water and he's like, "So what'd you see earlier?" She's like. Buddy, I saw everything, but I've, I've, like, I've, I've seen, seen it, it all, before. and I've seen it before. No worries, Don't buddy. worry about it. And you know who's sitting across the water from them, just chilling? Our boy, the Japanese fisherman. He got a line in the water, just watching the proceedings. And then we go to the second scene with some crazy... What I wrote as some crazy demon people. It was the burned-down building this time around. We got another. We got another three bodies, I think they say. Well, yeah, and then there's these people are, like, attacking the police, right? And this is when Johnny says to me, he's like, man, this wouldn't happen in America. He's like, these people will be beaten. And then when they start attacking the cops, I was like, oh, they would have just killed them. I don't think they have guns as cops there, do they? Oh, no, I'm saying if this was America, no, they no, would have no, been dead. There, I don't know. Well, I'm sure some divisions do, but not like your everyday. 
Well, and that was another thing where I was like, I was like, oh, they they don't have weapons to defend themselves. Well, like in the UK, most cops don't carry guns around. Guns are just not a part of the culture over there. Like some places just don't rely on guns like that. Again, it's not one of those things like we what we see every day is what we picture it as. Like guns are just there. You can't yeah. avoid them. They're guns are of, everywhere. The part of what life is, but other countries that's not the case. Like, are there guns there? Of course, there are guns there, but it's not like the gun fetish that you see over here. It's not like you know, like how it is in America, where we have guns with us at the breakfast table. But no, if this were America, everyone would be fucking dead. You're right. So, but what's happening is like apparently one of these bodies bursts out of the bag, and this other woman's running around. They attacked Jungu or Jongu. Our our main boy, but like he gets like he gets away from me, and like it's chaos. But when he's sitting there afterwards, watching what's going on, he looks over to the side, and who's there again? Yeah, he sees the he sees the Japanese man in the crowd, kind of watching not the only, proceedings. Not only does he see him, they make fucking eye contact. Yeah, because he like he's looking, and then he looks over at the cop, and he's all like, Doom. so. We're back at the office. Tell me I'm wrong here. When the daughter comes in, she drops off clean clothes for her dad. He farts while he's sitting there, right? <laughs> I said something to Jai. I was like, I was like, was that a fart? It wasn't Somebody me. Somebody farted. It wasn't me. Someone in that room 100% farted. I was like, interesting well it's funny because in another big scene later in the movie there's a burp that happens that like kind of cuts the tension a little bit and it's like they do a really good job of a two and a half hour movie giving you enough humor in between all the tension and mystery and drama that you get those breaks you get those releases where you're like oh okay i can fucking like breathe for a i second. thought it was funny how the little interaction between the daughter and the cop there the cop is just kind of like yelling at his daughter to leave and she's like you didn't even eat here here's some clothes and like they're just kind of like going back and forth and then there's like that long silence after the fart and she looks at all the other cops she's like all right see you later but he notices there's this hair clip that she at put the doorway on that, that she had dropped there and then he's like hold on a second i just realized something that woman earlier today who was going nuts at the scene and who attacked me, that was the naked woman from last night. So now it's like, what the fuck is going on? And then they go to another scene where this guy's like... No, it's just outside of the burned house scene again is where that tree was with the body. Oh, okay. So yeah, they go back there and this guy's like like riding his bike or something and then he sees that, that naked woman hanging from that tree. Well, yeah, apparently everyone in the house, they didn't burn to death. They've been stabbed to death before the burns. They found the knife under a dresser and all this shit. Like, they're like, okay, we've we've got rational explanations for this whole thing. Okay, and then, so this is where, like, uh, did they say that the Japanese man had raped her and that she had gone crazy after it and that this is what led her to doing this? That's the rumor that... Jong-gu is told by one of his buddies at like his buddy's restaurant or something yes okay and then that was the the girl that was throwing the rocks at them when they're sitting outside of the burned down house that's the girl that's actually trying to save them throughout the movie that's who's dubbed mystery woman yes yes all right 
Well, she's our our main boys, our, our police duo of John Gu and Seong Bak. They're just sitting there bullshitting about stuff. And John Gu's like, "All right, bro, check it. It's got to be about this rash. Go talk to some dermatologists while I just sit here for a while." I'm just gonna sit here and look at my phone and have this girl throw rocks at me. Pro's like, cool, yeah, yeah, I got it, I'll take off. And so she just keeps throwing rocks, she keeps getting closer, she keeps getting closer, and he's like, bitch, who the fuck are you? And she's like, well, guess what, man, let me tell you something. That lady killed all of them. And he's all like, what? Nah, and she's like, yeah, let me show you. And she, like, runs underneath the tape. Hold on, she says here that the old woman got a shaman to do some rituals, right? But then she refused the rituals, and that's why they're all dead. And I'm like, okay, old lady shaman. Note that because rituals, it does come back. Well, at the time, you you look for any thread, obviously, in this sort of movie. And I'm like, yeah, shaman's got to come back into play. We'll see. I didn't realize it was going to be what it was going to be. But then she's like, come inside. I got to show you some shit. And he's like, you're not supposed to be in here. This is a police scene. She's like, no, no, no. Check it, check it, check it. And he's like chasing her through the house. And that's when she finds... Or this is where she's like, hey, this is where it happened. And then he's all like, what? And she disappears. And then he looks out the back window, or like the back door. And that's when he sees the fucking devil, like, eating on another fucking deer or something. So it's the red-eyed demon that attacked the guy in the forest earlier that was eating a deer, eating another deer. Running yeah. at him, running at him, coming to attack him. We get that point of view attack again, and that's when this motherfucker wakes up from a dream. And, and it's, it's like, all been a dream. Well, it's like, well, Movie's what the fuck? over. Well, that's what I'm saying. Nope. I'm sitting there, I'm going, at what point is that a dream or wasn't that a dream? Now, they do say, and it comes up later, too, that after you have contact with this guy, you start having hallucinations. You start seeing things. It starts fucking with you. So, what what happened there? Because even later, he's talking to the mystery woman, and he's like, yeah, I just had a dream about that red-eyed thing. And she's like, oh, no, that wasn't a dream. I'm like, well, what the fuck was it then? Did he really see that? Was it a hallucination? He obviously didn't get attacked by it. Yeah. That's where I was just kind of like, I don't know what happened there. Well, and then, like, they go and they talk to that guy that fall, that fell down the mountain, right? Well, for, first, we find out that Hyo Jin is sick. His daughter yes. is sick. And so now he's got, like, a personal stake in this thing because he's starting to suspect... Like, whatever is at play out there might have come into his house. Like, he's very suspicious of shit very early on. Like, he picks up the thread very quickly, which does I thought was interesting. Does she have the nightmare first, or does she get the fever first? He has the bad dream, but I don't think we hear anything about her fucked up shit until after Until after fever. she has a fever? Because she's at home now with the fever. Um, he takes yeah. off. He goes to work, and we get what you were talking about. They're like, "Okay, we got to go talk to this guy who fell down the mountain." Yeah, and so he takes them into the into the woods where he said that this takes place, and then that's when they find like. Well, here's what I don't understand: the dead They're... body and shit. And then we get a classic lightning strike, and some rain starts to pour. And the dude who had a traumatic experience here before obviously wants to leave. But John Goo's like, no, motherfucker. I'm going to bodily keep you here, drag you with up to this fisherman's fucking place, and I'm going to make you look at this shit again. And dude's like, I don't think so, buddy. You going to force me to do this shit? I hope you get struck by some goddamn lightning. And then he runs away. And he gets struck by lightning. I was like, what the fuck? Twice. 
Yeah, dude. Like, like, what the fuck? Like, how the fuck is this even happening right now? They go back to the hospital. Like, does he die? He's not dead there, but does he no. end up dying? We don't really get any resolution on what happens to him, although I guess it doesn't matter. He got No, doesn't that guy die later? Does he? Like, his wife is there or something, and he dies? And she's all like, oh, like, what happened to him? How could this happen to him? Or is that think, somebody else? No, that's the guy who got struck by lightning. I don't think he's dead, though. Oh, see, so yeah, I thought he died. No, the guy we see die in a little bit in the hospital was, was the first killer. The murderer at the first scene, yeah. Um, well, we get to that right now, actually, because there's this commotion going on in another floor, and security runs in, and John Goo's like, I better follow this commotion, because what else am I doing? And he goes up and he watches that guy like convulsing in bed. He arches his back in this very specific way. Yeah. His head's hanging over the edge and it looks like something like stabs out from his neck. It doesn't break the skin. Yeah, dude, that was fucked up. Like it doesn't break the skin, but something like stabbed out from in. It was like his clavicle just like fucking breaks. And then he just chokes on his own blood and dies. And it's like, oh my God, that was fucked too. What's going on here? Yeah, that was pretty brutal. Again, another thing they do, like, they punctuate it with those moments of humor. They punctuate it with those moments of gore and violence as well. It's not consistent, like, all the time. It's when you need that. So, it it helps with that long run time. They kind of space out these different peaks and valleys. It's just a long time to be doing it for this kind of movie. I'll keep going back to that. And then is this we're back at the cop's house and Well first they're getting food and I just want to point out while they're getting food he notices this woman is sitting in the back room and she's got the rash and the boils on her neck. Yeah, I, and I remember she's that. She's wearing this sweater that comes up later too when he has a few memories about some things. So then they cut back and they're back at the cop's house and he's smoking outside late at night, just like chilling. And then, well, like, because I have it back in, like, in the morning, and the mom's all like, hey, or not the mom, the, the, um. Well, we have the first time where she's crying out at night, though, like, Spade was bringing up. Oh, is that where she's dreaming? It's not, she doesn't even say it's a dream. She says there's a strange man who's banging on the door and wants to be let in. Oh, and the devil it, wants to be let in. And then it cuts to, like. The morning, I think. Well, there's a quick shot of it. It looked to me, you couldn't really see the face, but it was the Japanese man, like, in the dark. And then you go to the morning, and I'm like, that's an interesting little shot to throw in the Japanese dude after they were just having her talk about a man banging on the door in the dark. Like, for as much of it being a mystery, they give you all of the answers along the way. And if you just follow your gut, you'll find You're going to get it, yeah. We'll, but we'll get some more of that later. So now we're in the morning, yeah, and she's fine. Yeah, the daughter's fine. She's just woofing down food. She is fucking chowing down. Yeah. Not just food. Not just food, dude. It was, bre- it was breakfast fish. Yes. That's yeah, and it's be. like not his wife, but his mom or his wife's mom. It's his mother-in-law. mother-in-law. Okay, so she's all like, hey, there's something wrong. He's like, yeah, dude, she doesn't even like fish. And, and he's like, she's like, yeah, it's because it, like she's possessed. This isn't her, but this lady told me about this shaman. Yeah, the old lady told me about a shaman again thing we heard about earlier. And I'm like, 
this motherfucking shaman comes up again. I mean, I don't think I don't know it's the same shaman. I don't, you know what I mean, like from earlier. But my gut says it probably was. And John Gu is just like, okay. Then the cops, they go the cop tag team, they go do an illegal search with the second cop's like uh, cousin, who is the deacon. Yes, who's because he speaks Japanese. He yeah, did, he speaks he, a little, a little bit, bit of Japanese. A little bit. He did some studies over there. And they're like, you're going to come with and do some translating. But also, we're going to just definitely break into this dude's property and look at his shit. Don't worry. Oh, about yeah. That. So our main cop, he's checking out like the like the the shrines to, like I don't know, himself, Satan. And then the other, the cop number two is all like, ah, oh, dude, like there's a room full of pictures and it is kind of creeping me out. Plus, I saw your daughter's shoe in there. It's, it's not. It's before and after pictures of crimes and victims, and then it's a whole bunch of trophies, basically. Or as we find out, not just trophies, but being used in active rituals against people. Like, yeah, just a whole bunch of fucking dark juju going on, like totally fucked up shit. And but there's this dog outside that's barking the whole time. It breaks loose from the chain. And it's attacking the deacon and John Goo, and then all of a sudden it stops. And, and why does it stop? Because the Japanese man, aka Satan, I thought comes. they smacked it with a rock. They were pushing it back with that table, and then one of them came in there and hit it over the head with something, and it yelped and it ran away. Oh, so see, I, I thought they were just pushing it back with the table, and it just left because the Japanese man came up. Yeah, I didn't catch that, but either way, that motherfucking dog went away and stayed yeah. away for a moment. And I just referred to him as the fish, the, the fisherman, the whole movie. I just called him the Japanese man because that's what he was in the the credits. Oh yeah, I just felt weird calling him the Japanese man the whole time, so I just went with the fisherman because it was less the type too. Well, I just wrote TJM. So anyway, the fisherman shows up. He walks into the house. He looks around. He walks up to the room, he looks inside, he looks at Siong Bak, the body, and he's like, mm-hmm. no, his expression hasn't changed, he's just slowly making his way through, and then they cut to those three driving away. Like, they didn't do anything in the moment. No, yeah, they're kind of just like, alright, we're gonna leave, and you're not gonna say anything. Well, because what they did was illegal, obviously, so they're not gonna like bring them up on charges because of it, they weren't supposed to be there doing it but he didn't do anything either because he was like what the fuck are you gonna do i'm just gonna do my thing yeah and they, they leave but they leave in a thunderstorm like it's raining all the time in this movie they take off and Seung bak the guy who looked in the room is shaken to the core and he's like that's the guy who did it he's this criminal he did all this shit i'm telling you right now i know it for sure jungu's like well what did you see man and that's when he pulls out the daughter's shoe yeah and he's all like dude I'm sorry, but he's got your daughter. And then that's when he's all like, oh, shit. Okay, the daughter probably is possessed. I am 100% signing off on getting a shaman. Because I think he was kind of against it earlier. No, he wasn't against it. He just seemed like, whatever, I'll do what the mother-in-law says. I'll do what my wife says. I'll do whatever. He gets home when he wants to talk to her about it. And she's like, bitch, that's not my handwriting. That's not my shoe. Fuck you. What's so goddamn important, you little bitch? Get out of my motherfucking room. Well, he shows up. Yeah, later the daughter just goes ham on him. Well, she's fucking possessed at this point. You know what I mean? Like, that's already happened. 
So later he comes back at night with a flashlight in her room and he's creeping around looking for shit. He finds his notebook with some fucked up drawings in it. And he's like, I gotta check her body and see if she's got this fucking rash. Like, I gotta know. And so he does. And if you're looking at it the wrong way, which is what she implies when she wakes up, like, you just fucking coming in your daughter's room late at night to lift up her skirt? Like, you sick fuck. And he's like, no. He's like, no, no, I'm checking to see if you have any rashes like these other fucking people. It ain't like that. It ain't like that. But it blows up. She starts screaming, fuck you, motherfucker. Get the fuck out of here, you piece of shit. And that's not too far off from what she's actually saying. No, that's like legitimately what she's saying. But the mother-in-law, when everyone's outside now, she's like, listen, motherfucker, we're meeting the shaman today. She's possessed. Let's get this handled. Get that money in order. But he's still not satisfied yet. You're not wrong that he... I think he just wants to be sure of what's going on before the shaman gets involved because he goes back to the deacon at the church he's like no questions asked you're fucking coming with me let's go and they yeah. go they go back to the fisherman's place they again go back up there and he's all like yelling at him and he's all like he's like i just want the fucking truth you gotta tell me the truth and then the japanese man's all like you can't handle the truth and then because the dog's been going nuts that whole time the cop he's all like he's like all right fine He's like, he's like, you're not going to tell me the fucking truth? I'm going to kill your dog. No, that's not no. what happens. He grabs a pickaxe. He's like, I'm going to bust back into your fucking temple again because you locked the back up. So I'm assuming all these pictures that you say you burned and I went and checked in the kitchen and there's some ashes there. I bet you didn't burn your temple. So I'm going to go look at that. So he goes in there. And he and fucks it up. Because it basically is empty and he's pissed. He's like, what the fuck? We blew our chance. We're idiots. And then the dog busts loose and goes in there. And the Japanese man doesn't do a fucking thing about it. He's like, whatever. We hear a scuffle. And then we hear the dog whimpering. Yeah. And, and then murdered the cop that dog comes with out. The pickaxe. Cop comes out looking a little disheveled. But he... A little uh, disheveled. He's got po- scratches on his face that stay there for the rest of the movie. And he's covered in blood. Yeah, he's disheveled. A little disheveled. He comes so, out, basically, he's like, if you don't get the fuck out of my town, that's going to be you, you little bitch. And you got three days. You got three days. And once again, the fisherman, very calm, doesn't even change the expression on his face the whole time. He's like, you're not going to shake me, bitch. I know yeah, the whole I'm, time I know he never flinches. Like, he swings that pickaxe by his fucking feet, and he just stands there. Yep. Well, he's like, dude, I'm Satan. You can't do shit to me. Well, we don't know that he's Satan at this point. Yeah. Like, obviously, that's his thought process. Well, even if he actually is Satan in the end, he still could be another demon just claiming to be Satan. You never know. Which is why he has an altar to Satan. It's not to himself. It's to his true master. But demons are liars, bitch. You can't ever trust them. But then the next morning, like, there is a bunch of screaming going on. When the mother-in-law walks out and she finds the dead dog hanging out front of their house. That was a goat. Oh, was it was, was a goat? I thought yeah. it was the dead dog. No. Um, it was definitely a goat. The guy. So the fisherman just left the dog in the temple and they showed a couple of different times of him. He just stayed sitting there for hours and hours. Oh, yeah. And it was the, the crows, three days, right? Something like that. And the crows were just sitting there picking at the fucking the dog's body. So... 
it's the dead goat that got hung upside down. Like, just a, a warning, basically. Not even a warning. Probably part of a curse. Probably just kind of like, hey, I just did your three-day fucking thing. I'm not out of here now. Um, And John Goo's so fucked up, he can't even, like, stand up. Like, he rolls out of bed and he's like, my body's so sore I can't move. So he's got to go get acupuncture. Yeah. And, and while he's getting that done, his mother-in-law's like, that's enough, motherfucker. Get your money in order. Take this shit seriously. Go get the goddamn shaman. And he's like, wait, where's where's, uh, where's my daughter? And they're like, they're like, oh, we left her with the old lady next door. She's fine. He's like, oh, motherfuckers. And he's like getting up, pulling all these acupuncture things off of himself. And then he's running back to the house and he goes back there. And what happened? His daughter's in the house with a pair of scissors. It's been like stabby, stabby, stabby. I stabbed her a bunch of times. She's going to die. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. She was still alive when they were taken out of there on the ambulance. Oh, okay. Uh, they don't show that she dies, but they don't show if she lives. My guess is that since she wasn't dead on site, that she survived that. Probably right. Because it's different than what we see from the daughter later after she stabs two people. Because it looks like she's in shock. Like, oh, fuck, I can't believe I did it. Like, the demon hasn't fully worked its way into her yet. So there's still enough of her conscience left that one stab snapped her out of it. At least that's the way I kind of read it. And that's why she stopped that way and was just sitting there like in shock until her dad showed up. Whereas later, the demon's fully in and slaughtering the thing. All right, and then that is where the, what, the shaman finds the the dead bird in the soy sauce? Well, Seongbok and Junggu, our cop boys, are like, we need to do something about this before this fucking dude takes over. Because they're certain it's the Japanese guy at this point. They're like, we need to fight back. We need to stop him. That's when the shaman rolls into town in his little turtleneck and his kind of bell-bottom pants looking smooth as hell. He's being a real dickhead, too. A real jerk. Just like, yo, give me that pot of soy sauce. I'm going to break it open. What do you know? There's a goddamn dead crow in there. Yeah, yeah. You know how I know? I had something to do with putting it there. But you don't know that. All right. And then this is where I fall asleep. And then I wake up during like the last like 10, 15 minutes. Okay, so you fell... You fell asleep at the part of the movie where all of a sudden... It gets good? Not necessarily. Yeah. Not necessarily, but all of a sudden these drums kick in. Because like, I definitely watched like a five-minute recap of this movie afterwards and was like, oh, yeah, I missed a lot more than ten minutes. It took about an hour, but the pace suddenly... like Things start to happen. They just take a long time to get you there. But the shaman comes in. He's like, I got to do this ritual. There's all these fucking drums going on, all this dancing with knives, and he's throwing knives, and he's fucking smacking her in the face with a branch the whole time she's fucking screaming. I don't know how you slept through this, because this is the loudest part of the movie, until they basically do the same thing later. I don't know how I slept through it either. Like, just blazing, blaring, all that, and she's getting totally fucked up, Uh, and then boom, it cuts, and she's taking a nap, just like you were, and (laughs) the shaman's got his fingers on her forehead... And it's like, you know, you're thinking, I don't know, did they succeed? Did they get the demon out of her or whatever? And he looks over at John Goo, the shaman does, and he goes, so who did you disturb recently? Because this evil shit that's going on around here is the most powerful shit I've ever felt. And it's your fault. He's like, well, I did just fuck up the entire altar of this Japanese guy. (laughs) And the shaman's like, no, that is not a man, brother. That is a ghost. And you're like, wait, hold on a second. He's a what now? Maybe he's a vampire. Vampire ghost, that's a thing. That's a Japanese thing for real. There's 
I'll talk about it later. So the police are at another house now. Just a real quick wow, thing. Fourth come up, this is, Yeah, this will come back up later. And they're pulling a woman's body out of a well. And they're like, this is her. And this is her fucking husband. He must have been the one who did it. But he's not here. And then we got the shaman and John Goo driving around together. And the shaman's talking about this ghost and, or this demon. He's like, listen, if we don't stop this motherfucker, he's going to kill everything on two feet. Just absolutely destroy him. I got to do this hex tomorrow. It's a death hex. Totally complicated. Totally dangerous. Also going to cost you 10000 Right? And he's like, no intercourse, no drinking, watch what you eat, or else you're going to fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, he's like, don't fuck this up. And our main boy is just like, whatever you say, man. I'm just, I don't want to watch my daughter get fucked up by this demon. And he's like, I just don't understand how a living person could be a ghost, though. And the shaman's like, but understand, this isn't a human. This motherfucker died a long time ago, and then the ghost got up in his guts. And like... He's like a hybrid sort of thing. Then he says the thing that gave it all away to me. If I would have just trusted my gut at the time, I was like, oh, this motherfucker. He's like, yes, that that man is just fishing. And Hyojin took the bait. I'm like, oh, he straight up referenced the fishing thing. And he's been a real dickbag this whole time. Like, is he just toying with this? Is he part of this whole thing right now? But then I was like, nah, I don't know. Because... He just did that whole fucking ritual thing, and it seemed to help. They're just extorting all these families for money and then murdering them. But it, now he's basically just like, yeah, give me that money. I'll take care of it later. And the whole time we're seeing the Japanese guy like running through the woods. And he comes up on this truck. And he opens up the door, and there's this dead body in there. And it's already decomposing and shit. And they show us the name tag on the, the jacket he's wearing. And it says Park Chun-Bae. And that's the guy whose wife was pulled out of the well earlier. And you're like, wait, hold on a fucking second. What's the homeboy doing with his dead body over here in the truck in the woods right now? But we leave that alone. And we find him back in town now. This is the old Japanese man. He's trying to buy these chickens. And I'm sorry, anytime someone's trying to buy chickens like that, just They're not just trying to make barbecue? Not in this kind of a story. Definitely not. They end up strung up by their feet from the ceiling. So things aren't good for them. But before that, we see... We haven't seen the mysterious woman since she was throwing rocks earlier and then disappeared, right? Correct. Well, when dude... When our our demon man gets back from buying these chickens, he's out like doing some sort of ritual under a waterfall. And we see the mystery woman's head peeking over, keeping an eye on him. I'm like... She's spying on him? Yeah, I'm like, oh, what's this now? What the fuck? Where did she... She kind of disappeared off our radar for a while. Now she's peeking on the demon boy in a waterfall. Like, what's the angle here? Um, a little bit confused. But he goes back to his place after this little waterfall ritual. And we see he's back at his altar in the locked room. He's got a picture of the dude from the truck on there. And he's doing this ritual. And it's like, oh shit. Okay. Back over at the house, they're preparing for the super death hex ritual. Doing whatever the fuck they need to do. So both sides are about to get wild. Are you awake at this point, Chuck? The hour of the dog. Chuck, you missed... I forgot about that, too. I missed all of this. I wake up at the very end. The hour of the dog. I don't know what the hell the hour of the dog is, but... No, I, I watched all the boring stuff. And then fell asleep for the payoff. This is the next loudest part of the movie because they got another whole scene where people are banging on drums from both ends. And the sound is just building... 
the shaman is out there fucking slanging blood, cutting chicken throats, spitting blood on the swords, chopping stuff with swords, straddling a totem and like fucking it and stabbing it. Stabbing it with like three different knives or maybe there are railway spikes or knives and he's hammering them into the fucking thing over and over. Very vampire-like, like a wooden stake, except they were like railroad ties. And I'm, as I'm watching this, I'm wondering, like, is he really doing something, or is he just like doing what he thinks looks fucking like off. it's doing something? Well, and so then back on the other side, you got the fucking Japanese man, and he's slitting chicken throats that are hanging from the ceiling. He's pounding on his drum all by himself. He's yelling and hooting and hollering. But then all of a sudden, he's getting fucked up. Because what the shaman's doing to the totem that he's fuck murdering is happening to the demon, too. And he's all covered in blood. He's trying to crawl into his room and get to his bed. He's all fucked up. And the whole time this shit's going on, it's like an exorcism, I think, is essentially what's supposed to be going on here. And Hyo yeah. Jin is just losing her shit, fucking screaming, writhing. Her body is starting to bend the same way the guy in the hospitals did. And the dad has seen enough. He's just like, shut this shit down. He just fucking goes in there, like, busting shit up, throwing shit on the ground. He's like, you need to stop this right now. And everyone stops. And everyone just kind of leaves. And then they rush her to the hospital. But because he stopped this whole thing early, the Japanese man did not die. They were just about to slit the throat of the goat and kill off the demon. But it didn't happen. Japanese man crawls over to his bed. And he curls up into the fucking blanket. And while he's curled up in that blanket on the verge of death, you see off in the distance of his doorway, the mystery woman steps into view. And then he peeks out and he sees her. He's like, I don't know. They don't really show what his reaction is. So Hyojin's in the fucking hospital. The deacon's there. He's like, bro, let's go talk to the church. Maybe they can help out. They get to the church. The priest is like, listen, buddy, if you didn't see anything with your own eyes, then it didn't happen. Go back to the hospital, trust the doctors, and say no demon shit. The church, he literally says the church cannot help you. I was like, okay, cool, cool, this is good. So now it's going to be the deacon on his own, doing his own thing? Is this going to be like that sort of? And that's what ends up happening, although I didn't think it was going to play out the way that it did. So the deacon goes to the demon's lair, right? Eventually, he, he sure does. Because, so like, when I woke up, First, before he goes to the lair, um, he goes back to the fisherman's place with John Goo again. Because John Goo's like, if this motherfucker's a ghost, then I won't be able to kill him. So let's go find out if I can kill him. They show him, like, wake up. I don't know if he senses they're coming, but that dude, he takes off. He's gone. He leaves the house. And it's a good thing he does because John Goo rounds up a posse of boys. He goes into town, he whips up his boys, they get in a pickup truck, they throw a whole bunch of fucking murdering tools in the back, like a shovel and a rake. Chainsaw. Some animal body parts. Just chuck them in the back of the truck and then they take off and they head up to the fisherman's house. When they get there, there's a surprise for them in the backyard though. Because as we see, the fisherman went to look for the guy in the truck, but he wasn't there anymore. He's apparently been risen from the dead. He has stumbled back to the fisherman's house and starts attacking these motherfuckers. The priest... Well, the priest gets bit on the face. He gets all fucked up. That's how he ends up in the hospital. But then they end up... Like, this isn't a zombie, though. Because, like, they hit it in the head with a rake and it doesn't matter. This thing pulls it out of its head. But eventually, it, too, falls over. 
convulses in that weird way, arches its back, and then fucking dies like the dude in the hospital. They spot the fisherman in the woods. They give chase. They chase him to a cliff where apparently he just hangs off the side of the cliff until he falls and survives that. And when he sees that, he looks over and he sees the mystery woman. And so then there's a chase scene between them. Our posse of boys are driving back into town. They got to get the deacon into the fucking hospital. And all of a sudden, after Jungo loses control of the truck, like a human body flies down and hits the windshield. And I'm like, was that a human body? What the fuck just happened there? So they get out, and it's the Japanese guy, apparently. I was going to say, it's got to be the devil, right? Jumped off the fucking like, cliff and landed on their windshield. And they're like, oh shit, we killed this guy we were chasing anyway. Isn't that convenient? The whole time the mystery woman's looking down from above seeing what's going on. They dump his body over the side, and then they fucking take off. And they go to the hospital. The whole time, the shaman is with the mother-in-law and the wife. And he looks out the window, and as they're throwing the devil's body over the railing, he says, the rat fell into the trap. And I'm like, okay. So the Japanese guy jumping off of a cliff onto the windshield was the trap? You guys didn't plan that. So I'm like, this doesn't add up either. But he's also like happy the devil's dead, kind of. What the fuck is going on here? Like the lines are all blurry on who's the good guy and who's the bad guy still for me. Because I was certain the shaman was in on it. But then I'm like, I don't know. Because the mystery woman, what's her deal? Yeah, they throw the mystery woman in there and he seems afraid of her. But she's not really actively doing anything either. Until they have that little chase in the woods. Yeah, but and I even was, when even chasing them chasing her, him he? in the woods too. No, I think he was running from her. Or... Well, he was like laying on. The, I, I guess it would have made more sense that he was running from her. But the way they showed it, it felt like she. He was chasing after her, and she was just like, "Gotta go." Not like but even like him yeah. running from them chasing him. Like if he's like some fucking devil, why is he running from humans? Like. What would you have to be afraid of? Maybe he can only take his true form at certain times or when he's amassed a certain amount of power or done a certain ritual and he's in his weak human form at the time. It's the only thing I could think of, at least. So he goes to the hospital and Hyojin's like, I'm fine, I'm good now. He's like, awesome, that's great. So they go back home, but the priest's still in the hospital and he's having these visions. The red-eyed demon and the fisherman and the fucking... When you say priest, word, you mean zombie. the deacon? The deacon, yeah, 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 yeah. He's got all these visions going on. He even has this weird vision of Jonggu, like, covered in blood, having just murdered his landlady or something. So he's, like, seeing this thing that hasn't happened and doesn't happen. Like, it was super weird. Hmm. That's the one thing that made me go, like, what the fuck is going on? And this whole time, the shaman's calling up Jonggu, and he's parked outside of the house trying to get a hold of him. He's been trying to get a hold of him for a while, and the dude's just ignoring him. Yeah, because he wants to get paid. But when he gets out, the woman is there. But before he notices her, his nose starts bleeding. Then she walks out from the shadow. She's like, get out of here. And he starts like vomiting blood and has a massive fucking nosebleed. And he runs back to his car and he takes off. He's like back at his temple and he's doing this like emergency prayer thing. And he's freaking out. He's gathering all of his things. Jungu looks at his phone. He goes outside, sees all the missed calls. Sees all the blood, and he takes off to go to the guy's temple. But he's left, and on his way after he's left, he was driving through a storm of bugs that apparently wasn't actually there. What the fuck yeah, was that all cut, about? Fuck yeah, the main guy goes to his temple, and then they he sees that it, 
She's not there. It cuts to the shaman driving on the highway, and then like you, they show the back of his car, and you see like he has all his shit. He's like getting the fuck out of Dodge, and then like these fucking bugs start hitting his windshield. He's like, "What the fuck?" And then there's like a flood of fucking bugs hitting his windshield. He loses control of the car. He stops. He gets out and he's swatting. But we as the viewers see like there's nothing fucking there. Like it's all in his head apparently. And finally he realizes that too. And ends up on the phone with Jong-Goo when he calls. And he's like, listen, you need to get back to your house now and be with your daughter. I fucked up. I fucked up. It's not the old man who's the bad guy here. It's this woman who's been hanging around. The fisherman was a shaman just like me. He was trying to stop her. But I fucked it up. I thought it was the other way around. Shit. And so he's got to take off. He's rushing to get there at the same time that jong Gu is now like, well, fuck, now I got to get back home and be with my daughter. At the same time, now our boy... The deacon is going back to the fisherman's house. Are you back with us right. now, Chuck? So now I think I'm awake because that's when a homeboy to the cop, he like gets home and old girl is like outside. Right. And she's like, don't go inside. Well, the daughter is missing. And so dude's running around the property looking for her, And that's when he runs into the mystery woman. And that's when like we started to get some hints because they dropped that she's wearing like that jacket that old boy was wearing. And the sweater from the woman at yeah. the bar earlier. And like he's like, I have seen you around already too. Like, what the fuck is going on here? She even like grabs him by the hand at one point to stop him from running into the house. Like, it's all fucked up. The Yeah, she's like, if you go inside, like everybody will be fucking dead. You have to wait. She's like, I set a trap. After the cock is crowed, crowed three times. The demon will be trapped. You can go be with your family. If you go in there before that third crow, though, the demon's going to murder everyone, motherfucker. So don't do it. The deacon, meanwhile, we'll cut to him for a second, is talking. He's He's gone through this labyrinth in the backyard, like this cave tunnel system. And he found this room where the Japanese man is at, all huddled around a fire with a blanket. And he's like, listen, bro, you got to show me your true form. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. I'm just a guy. And he's like, yeah, well, show me your true form, and then I'll leave. I'll take off. And we'll catch back up with them in a second. Because they keep, like, cutting back in between these scenes. It's so well done. Like, they build up the tension really well in this whole exchange of who is the good guy, who is the bad guy. Basically, we cut back over to the woman, the mystery woman, and she tells him, just believe in what I'm telling you about this trap. Your family will be saved. Yeah, I'm, I'm just someone who's trying to help out your family. And then the first rooster's like, kaw, 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 that was actually after the second has crowed is where we're oh, at. Okay. She says, that's why the dude's anxious now. He's like, if you're lying to me about this and I have then to wait they're... till the third crow, then they're all going to be dead. Yeah. Like, fuck, 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 fuck. He's like, if I could have saved them, like, I'm not going to be able to deal with that. Now, meanwhile, what he can't see is that the daughter has come back from wherever she's at. She's at the front gate. And the mother-in-law and the wife come out. And she just ignores them, blows right past them, goes into the kitchen, and eats everything in the fridge. Just munches yeah. it down. Everything. And we leave them with her looking from the mother-in-law to the mother to a knife. Yeah. 
and then we leave them. And then it goes back to the deacon and the demon, and the deacon's just like, dude, just show me your true form, and I'll get the fuck out of here. And then the the demon's like, <laughs> who's to say I'm going to let you leave? Well, the first he says, you've already decided on the devil. Like, yeah. I'll, I, I'll tell you I'm the devil because you're going to believe that I am whether I he's, say he's like, I am like, whether or I'm not or, or he's like, whether I am or I'm not, it doesn't matter because you're pre- your preconception of what I am is already going to drive it into your mind one way or the other. Whatever I say is just going to push it further. So meanwhile, the shaman calls Jean-Gu again, and he's like, don't give in to that woman. She's a liar. Go to your daughter now. So obviously the opposite of what she's saying. And he's like, do I trust the shaman? Do I trust this woman? What the fuck do I do here? Who would you trust? It's hard to say. Honestly, but if I'm trying to put myself in John Goo's shoes... I probably would actually trust the shaman. I was going to say I think I've dealt enough with the shaman to have enough reasons to be suspicious of him that I don't know if I would. Plus, he's straight up admitting he fucked up on one of the biggest aspects of this thing. What the fuck does he know? Maybe he even fucked that up. Like, yeah. I don't know if I'm... But it's hard to say. Because you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. I think either way. Because I don't really think she's a good guy either. If you look at how this plays out, because she's like, he asks her, as the cock crow thing is still going on or whatever, he asks her, like, well, why my daughter? Why did this happen to my daughter? She's like, because the father sinned. Because you thought, you accused this guy over here, the demon, of being guilty of a crime that he wasn't, and this is retaliation. The dude's like, yeah, but my daughter was sick before that even happened, so that doesn't even make sense. So I don't think the mystery woman is necessarily a good force either. I think everyone is bad in this as far as like the demonic or as far as the spiritual entities. I don't really think she's there to help either. Either way, homeboy ends up just running in and that little girl slaughters everybody. Yep. And then who shows up but our boy, the shaman, and he's... Well, hold on, actually. Before we get to that, we're going to cut to the devil and the deacon again. The and devil, that's when he's in, like, full fucking form. He's changed form. We see the whole thing that uh, uh, Spade brought up earlier about, like, the stigmata on his hands as he's changing. He grabs a camera and he starts taking pictures of the deacon. Like, well, that's what they do before motherfuckers end up with death pictures taken of them. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which... They cut back to the house. The shaman shows up. He's taking pictures of that whole dead family. Gongju is not dead, though. He's still, like, talking to close out the movie. Like, daddy's gonna fix everything. Yeah, he's like, you know you know, daddy's a policeman, right? Daddy's gonna fix it. Daddy's gonna fix everything. And then, end credits. Fade to black. The shaman and the devil out there doing some work together. And uh, does anybody have anything left to say about that movie before we get into the rating for The Willing? All right, so we're going to rate this movie on a scale of 1 to 50 Randy Quaid's, where 1 is the lowest and obviously the worst. 50 is the highest and obviously the best. And then 2 to 49 is literally anything in between. IMDb rates this movie on a scale of 1 to 50 Randy Quaid's 37.5 Randy Quaid's. Who would like to go first? Johnny, would you like to go first because this is your movie? 
you can kind of put it out there and then figure out what we have to say about it. It's a 50. 50 Randy Q's. Randy Q's. <laughs> so what what do you love about this movie? The fucking end, if I'm honest. I mean, it's good throughout, but the fucking end is a fucking huge payoff. The first time I watched it, I was on the edge of my fucking seat. Because they plant those seeds of doubt so well. Because you don't see that woman for fucking a long time. And then she starts popping back up. And then when she does, you're just like, well, shit. Is it the fucking Japanese man? And then they just keep cutting back to each one of them. And I was like, fuck, what is going on? And then turns out it was the Japanese man. All right, so... Would you recommend that people see this movie? Absolutely. Would you buy the is this movie available for like to purchase on Yeah, I have it. Oh, you do have it. Yep. You're like, yep, I already fucking beat you to the punch, motherfucker. Yep. As of the day of this recording, it is streaming on Prime. Yes, that's where I watched it. Yeah, that's or, where I where saw it the first it. time. It kept popping up in my movies you we think you'd like. And then I assume you will watch this movie again. Yeah. All right, do you want me to go next, or do you want to go next, JT? I'll, I'll go next. Um, all right, all right. I'm going to give this... It might have been a while since I've done this for a movie I didn't pick, even cracking this realm. I'm going to give this a 40, Randy Quaid's. Nice. And the only reason it's not higher than that is because it was two hours and 36 minutes long. <laughs> I feel like they could have cut down like on the ritual part. I honestly think that that was some of the best stuff in the whole movie. Again, but I think the- some of it too, though. I wonder if like they need the length to be able to subvert your expectations. Is that it? I don't know. Well, I mean, that is a phrase. I don't know if that what you're trying to say, though. I don't think the length subverted Redirect any of- what you're expecting. Yeah. Because it's such a long time since you see that fucking woman in white. But the introducer would still probably at least an hour yeah, left of uh- the movie. So it's not like... She's coming up in the last 15 minutes, and you're like, oh, shit, I forgot about her. Like, they introduced her soon enough, or far enough from the end that you remember she's a player in the game, which I don't think it hurts. I just think if you could have wrapped this up in a good two hours somehow, and I think I'd have cut a lot more off the front end of the movie than anything that starts happening about an hour in. Like, I would agree, cut a lot off the front end. Obviously, because I it fucked you up. Me. Yeah, it fucked you up. I mean, they could have made it tighter. There's a lot of important stuff in there, but I feel like they could have tightened it up. The pace was just very, very slow, which I feel didn't work for it. Once you hit out an hour into that movie, it really fucking gets going. It really sucked me in. It was beautiful to watch from beginning to end. Like The cinematography and the direction on it are very, very good. Uh, there's so many good shots of like the landscapes, like the mountains with sunsets or sunrises going on in the background. Like I brought up when we were talking before, the humor that they mix in throughout the whole thing is perfect. If it didn't have that, I couldn't have made it through this movie. But it has a genuine sense of humor that doesn't feel like it's forced in there either. Which is what's important. It doesn't feel like they're slamming jokes in. It all feels like that would happen in real life. Like funny shit can happen in the middle of tragedy. Sometimes someone's going to fart. In an office. You know what I mean? Like, it happens. I really like the girl that played the daughter. Because she, like, played a really, like, warm and funny, joyful girl. And then she was just turned around and was just this crazy fucking bitch. Well, this had some very serious parallels to a couple of movies. The obvious one being The Exorcist. And I just watched that a couple weeks ago. And it's the same thing with Linda Blair. Like, she plays the perfect, sweet 
innocent young girl before possession but once she gets possessed she's great at just being totally fucked up and demonic and saying wild shit like she was really good in her role have you guys ever seen uh Noroi, the curse before i don't think so i don't think so n-o-r-o-i if you like this movie check it out it's a japanese like possession sort of thing i won't say any more than that but this had a lot of similar tones to that and there's another movie this is from 1968 i don't know if i'd recommend this to anyone but i love it it's called kuroneko which is about japanese vampire demons okay so it plays into that same sort of mythology that this korean movie is playing with at the same time and one more last influence i felt is when they chucked the dead body over the side i said oh it's i know what you did last summer uh so yes i'll give this you know what now i'm going to talk it up i'm going to give it a 41 is my final rating i will watch this again i will probably buy this movie and i would recommend it to other people all right all right all right all right so take my um review and rating of this movie with a pinch of salt because fyi i did fall asleep and we're on a schedule so I wasn't going to just go back and rewind 30 minutes and and watch what happened. I, I did. Listen, that's the beauty of 50 Randy Quaid's. Your review of the first half hour and last half hour is just as important as my review and Spade's review of the whole movie. That's how we do shit here. The first time I saw it, I started nodding off when they went to his house and he roughed him up with the pickaxe and killed the dog. Okay. So I had to rewind and rewatch that part. And then I passed out for like the whole shaman fucking ritual shit. Well, and to literally be honest, like that's about where I fell asleep in this movie. So like I made it a little bit past that. But if we're doing full disclosure, I took about four and a half hours to watch this movie because I broke it up into bits and pieces and did other things and stayed busy. because I could feel myself kind of doing the same thing. Like, it's so slow in the beginning, especially. I was like, I got a half hour in, and a half hour in, I was like, I need to take a break. Or I'm this never movie is make long it. and slow. And I'm not saying that it's boring because it is not. There is a lot going on, and there is a lot to pay attention to. I just drifted. I thought I'd only passed out for a couple minutes, but apparently I missed like bro, a good 30 to 40 bro, minutes of this movie bro you said earlier i fell asleep for like 25 minutes well as we realized you saw fell asleep for like an hour yes yes so i missed a good third of this movie right my review is i'm actually giving it lower than i originally was going to give it and i'm going to drop down to a 20 but that's full disclosure i did not see this entire movie i will actually go back and rewatch it more than likely and I think that people probably should see The Wailing because it was a pretty cool movie in certain aspects. It was just so fucking slow, man. Like, it needed to be sped up a little bit because it was, it's a very, very long movie. Um, I won't own it. I'm not going to go out and go out and go that far. But I do want to rewatch it to actually get the full feel of this movie and i feel like i will probably come back with a higher rating of it at some point down the line when i rewatch this movie but with that said i'm gonna give it a 20 out of, out of 50 here and uh, does anybody have anything else to say before we uh close it out oh i think i've said all i needed to say i'm good watch the wailing 
All right, so I think we can all agree that you can catch all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and, of course, our website, 50randyquades.com. Next time on 50 Randy Quades, episode 139, Season of the Witch. This is the return to hashtag cage talk i know you have all been waiting for the 57th installment of nicholas cage's filmography season of the witch hey yo what's this one about is it a witch movie yeah there's this um it's a season right and it's all about this witch like a sport like he's on a, a like a quidditch team yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the witches, and they got to win 16 games to get to the championship. Don't make it like football, man. Fine, 14 games. Let's just move on. How how many games are in a season of Quidditch? Good question. Don't know. Doesn't seem like very many. Until next time, we watch movies so you don't have to. Peace, Peace out. out.